This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We're going to continue our series on We Need a Move. We Need a Move. And uh, this week you're going to love the word because I believe that this is the core of this church. I believe it's what God intended for us to always be. And it's a foundation that I've preached since I was a young man. But we're going to go back to the foundation because I don't believe that there can be a move of God without us activating our faith. We keep saying we need a move, but we think God's going to move. God does not move except by the prayer and the faith of his people. God cannot move unless there be faith involved. God does not, God can move sovereignly, but God moves when his people obey him and respond to his word as though it's true. When we think of the move of God, when we think of needing a move, and I think of activating our faith, do we have the PowerPoint? Is it ready? Ah. We need a move. Faith. We need to move. The first point that I'd like to make is that so many people are despairing today. I can't tell how many people have despaired that God can move. They are in a place where they do not believe God can answer their prayer. A friend of mine said that desperation is better than despair. And I think it's time that we become desperate or that we allow the restlessness on the inside of us to begin to move us in this tough time. To be desperate for God means that we believe that he can do something in our lives, in our businesses, in our marriages, in our families, in our nation. You can turn desperation into faith. You cannot turn despair into faith. Despair sits down, wrings its hands and says, well, there's nothing that can be done. All is lost. I have good news for you. Be desperate. Be desperate to get a hold of God. Let a hold, get a hold of God because when you're despairing for your life, there is no recourse. Mark chapter 5, we see the story Verses 25 through 34, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years is significant. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she, became, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her faith, excuse me, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You are in the multitude. You see, there's a whole multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around her, excuse me, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You are healed of your affliction. Let me tell you something. This woman had become desperate. Twelve years she was sick. Twelve years she had spent all that she had. She had no 
recourse. But she didn't despair. She heard that Jesus had come to town. She heard that there was someone that was healing. And his name was Jesus. She says to herself, and this is what faith does. Faith puts a goal in mind. Faith speaks. Faith says, and she said it to herself. I don't think it always has to be a confession, but I do believe it is a confession. She said to herself, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. It was a desperate move. You have to understand that a woman who has an issue of blood was not to be amongst the public. If you have, a wish, if you have a, an issue of blood, you are to make a declaration to people and you are to stay away from crowds because you are unclean. So much so is this true in the Jewish community, in, in the Hebrew community, that even today, men and women are separated in worship and men and women that have cleansed themselves on their way to the wailing wall or, the, or their way to worship don't touch each other lest the woman be having her period and be unclean because she has an issue of blood. So it was then. But she had a permanent issue of blood. But instead, she was so desperate that she pressed through the crowd, saying to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Desperate times need desperate measures. Some people look at our situation in our country and they make excuses why nothing can happen here. Let me tell you something. You can make an excuse for anything. You can make it at a family level. Oh, the reason we can't pay school fees is why. The reason we can't do anything is why. And we can make all the excuses we want to. Or we can let our desperation turn us to faith. You can do it at the church level. Well, we can't afford to repair or keep the gardens nice. We can't afford, no, we can't afford not to. We can't afford, because faith maintains what it obtains. And God is the source. And God uses his people to rise up. I was talking to someone today and we were speaking about our offerings. I said, you know, I can't afford not to give in U.S. dollars. Amen. I said, because I don't need any more bond notes. See, I, what you sow, you reap. I, I said, you know, I, I, I sow everything I can in U.S. now. Why? Because I know that if I do that... I'm going to reap in the U.S. And it, and it causes my faith to get stretched a little bit more. I have to believe for that. But guess what? And he, and he turned to me and he said this. He says, you'll never be amazed. He says, I started doing that. He says, and, and my, my, the increase in my business and everything is in U.S. He says, it's amazing. I said, yeah, well, you have to understand. There is a principle of being desperate enough to trust God, to get a hold of God. I wish to God that our national leaders would trust God. But instead we trust political shenanigans. And it works. It works. Politics works. An empty stadium. No, it was. It was empty. An empty stadium. But the rhetoric still 
puts blame on someone besides ourselves. And the masses, the populace, for the most part, believe it. And the optics are good, the narrative is good, and it was worth every cent of the $4 million that was spent for the optics. Because we have to stay in power whether we rule or not. We're desperate to stay in power. I wish we were as desperate to govern as we were to stay in power. Now let me explain something to you. The whole basis for governance is weak if you think you're a ruler, a ruling party. That speaks very highly to me of why we can't accomplish anything. Because rulership means that we are all here to serve you. Governorship means I'm here to govern that which has been entrusted to us. We're here to govern, to create a government. A government is for the good of all people. But we're not desperate enough to govern, we're still ruling. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? If we need a move, we need to go back to proper governance. Proper governance means that we are all accountable to the same laws, the same rules, the same government at the same level. There is no two-tier government, the us and the them. And every Zimbabwean has a right to live under governance. But we're not desperate enough for that. Mark 10, verses 46 through 52 says this. Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni that I might receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let me tell you something. This man was desperate. You know how I know he was desperate? Back in that time, men that were blind had to wear a garment showing that they were blind. If you were, any disease you had, you, the garment you wore told what disease or trouble or what troubled you. He cried out. I don't know how far away it was, but he cried out long enough, far enough and loud enough that Jesus heard him and said, call him here. And it says that he threw off his robe. <laughs> he threw off his robe. Let me tell you something. Faith, all faith, has a corresponding action. All faith has to act as though, hey, what I'm asking for is going to happen. He threw off the robe. But yet Jesus, I love Jesus, because Jesus will always get you to a specific point. Jesus turned to this man and said, what do you want? I always thought, what kind of a question is that? 
a blind guy going for, I mean, what, what else do you want? But you know, I started thinking about it. He might have gone down there and said, hey, Jesus, you know what? He said, I sit up under this tree every day. My back is sore. Do you think you could just touch my back? See, some of us, we're afraid to ask that our sight might be received. We're afraid to ask for the big thing. That God can intervene in our lives. Because it requires a corresponding action. It might require you to throw off something. Throw off a label. Throw off what people think. It might require you to throw off the stigma. Oh, you're one of those. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. See, God responds to faith. God responds to faith. But many of us aren't desperate enough to move by faith. Tony Robbins, a motivational speaker, says this. He says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Some of us, the pain of staying the same isn't enough for us to change yet. But I'll tell you what, when the pain of staying the same is enough, we'll change. We'll change. I think change is on the way. God's looking for a man and a woman of faith. Genesis 27 verse 40 says, By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when, you're, when you become restless that you'll break his yoke from your neck. Boy, let me tell you something. This is the story of Esau and Jacob. And God speaks to Esau and says, you're going to have, you'll be a great nation. He says, but you'll serve your brother. This was the prophecy over his life. He says, but there'll come a time that you'll become restless. And he says, and you'll break off the yoke and you'll be your own great nation. You will become a great nation. I, I tell you what, it's the nature of how God works. God makes us restless. God creates a restlessness. Some things are oppressive to you. There comes a time that you break off. You grow up. You become restless. You say enough is enough. And your faith reaches out. You become desperate enough, restless enough that you become what God wanted you to become. Some people get desperate and they find themselves in a prayer room laying a hold of the horns of God's altar saying, God, I will not move until you bless me. Other men, they get to a point where they rise up and they say, no, enough is enough. And they make a stand by faith and God shows up and honors their faith. All I know is that it's God who stirs in the hearts of men to move them by faith. They become restless. They become desperate. And desperate men do things by faith. You see, if we're going to experience a move, we're going to need to move from just being a little bit restless and a little bit desperate into action. We're going to need to demonstrate our faith. The second thing, if we're going to get a move and live by faith, we're going to need to be humble 
and admit our need. Be humble. You see, you have to understand that our help doesn't always come in the shape or in the way or in the form that we expect. Humility shapes our ability to receive from God or for that matter from anyone. I'm always shocked at how many people kind of dictate to God how he's going to answer for them. Well, God, I want you to do this. I want you to do it. And I want you to do it this way. And, I, and they have all the, and they're proud. I, I won't receive unless God does it my way. There was a man in the Bible that was exactly like that. In 2 Kings, we see a, a story of a man named Naaman. And it says that then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot. And he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you'll be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and prophesy and sell me some holy oil and do all kinds of Tell me my telephone number, and then I'll be healed of my leprosy. Are not the Urbana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he humbled himself. He went down and he dipped seven times in the filthy Jordan River. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child. And he was clean. Can I tell you something? I am so tired of the show. I think God is too. God's word is powerful. God himself is the healer. God, if you will, is the great prophet. Jesus is the prophet that we represent. There are prophets, but the New Testament prophet is supposed to be one who edifies, encourages, and builds up. I'm not saying that we can't exhort each other to do something. And I'm not saying that God from time to time won't speak a word that will give direction to your life. But let me tell you something. God never intended spirit-filled people to be led by prophets he always intended us to be led by our spirits. He always intended you and I to have a direct relationship with him. He says, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. You don't need to have a word from the prophet. You need to have a sure word of prophecy from the word of God. Jesus said, the, the, the Bible says, the Bible says, and by his stripes you were healed. If you were healed, you are healed. So when are we going to start believing the sure word of prophecy? 
Why do we need to run to some prophet to rub us down with oil, rub the remaining hair off our head? <laughs> some of you guys. Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we've created a religion that is not any longer seeking God, but seeking prophets. This is not my church. I am a steward. I'm a servant in the house of God. I'm, I'm constantly being told, bishop, apostle. Where? Excuse me. Excuse me. Have you ever seen bishop, apostle on my name ever? Prophet. No. I am... Really, I should be Brother Tom. <laughs> and your sister and brother, whatever you are, because that's what we are. We're brothers and sisters. And I do operate as a pastor, but that's only a shepherd. How many times do you think the word pastor is in the Bible? <laughs> one time. One time. It's only one time in the whole Bible that they use the word pastor. So it's not my title, folks. It's not my title that means anything. It's our relationship that means everything. Can we build a relationship that's based in something besides me? I tell you what, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. My job is to help you become all God wants you to be. You should be the one that has signs and wonders following you. You should go into the marketplace. You should not be afraid to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You should be the one that should have a word on your lip to encourage another. You should be the one who does the work of an evangelist who's constantly leading people to Jesus. It should be you, not me. But you see, what we've begun to lack in the body of Christ and what we've begun to create is kind of this idea that we can tell God how to behave. We can demand God to do what... No, God says we can make a demand on his word. He's not a man that he should lie. His word is true. But let me tell you something. I don't want to dictate how he's going to heal me. I don't want to dictate how he's going to solve my problem. I want to come humbly before him and say, you are the potter, I am the clay. You are the creator, I am the created thing. You do with me as you will. I am an unprofitable servant, and at the end of my serving, sir, what would you have me do? But no, we want to have this attitude and it's crept into every facet of society. Somehow, and we had a bit of it here where we thought we were a little bit bigger than we thought we were. But our heart was never there. The church isn't here to serve its pastors. Our pastors are here to serve us. Now, serve you to equip you so that you can serve your community. So you can walk righteously as Jesus Christ, as one Christ Jesus. But it requires great humility. Great humility. Did you know it requires humility to be used of God? 
Because I don't know how he's going to use me. But I'm available. It requires humility to receive from God. Because I don't know how he's going to touch me. But I'm available. I'm available for a miracle, however God wants to do it. What if the man of God never shows up in your life, but his servant does? Oh, no, no, I can't get a miracle unless the pastor comes. Unless the prophet waves his hands. There's some people, they don't think God can use them unless they feel something. I feel. (laughs) I have news for you. I don't need to feel anything to know that the word of God is true. I don't have to feel like you're going to get healed to pray for you. I don't have to feel the anointing for you to pray for you. The Bible says believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, I just have to be obedient. And as servants of God, we need a humility to come upon us. And we need a grace to come upon us. That we're not dictating how things work. We're not telling God, well, if you don't do it this way, then what? Then what? Let me tell you, my greatest miracles that have ever worked out of my hands is when I felt nothing, saw nothing, and didn't even know they happened. Uh. And what's crazy is nobody ever told me. One lady, 13 years later, do you remember the night you prayed for me? No. Well, and she tells me her story. I was instantly healed. I said, well, gee, thank you. Thank you for coming and telling me. I get testimonies all the time. But I'm available. I pray for people. There's the possibility of ridicule. There's the possibility of opposition even from friends and other Christians when you begin to It doesn't care about be willing to let God use you. But humility doesn't care about the ridicule. It doesn't care about the opposition. Are you willing to place yourself in a position that will allow you to humbly converse with the Lord so that he can help you in your time of need? See, if we're going to have a move, we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he can lift us up. He can lift us up. The next point is, if we're going to have a move of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to have a move of God, and we're going to activate our faith, we need to inquire of God. We need to ask the question, should we proceed? The offering today was very, very accurate today. I thought you were stealing my message. But uh, David would often... Ask God, what do you want to do? And in Samuel, uh, David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you'll recover all. Let me tell you something. It takes great humility And it takes faith to inquire of God. 
It takes faith not only to inquire of God, but then to do what God says to do. And God will tell you what to do. Do we pursue the enemy? Yes, pursue him. Do I do? Don't know what to do. Would you have me do? You know, I can tell you many, many times my wife and I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with our children. We don't know what, sometimes what to do even in our marriage. But I know this. Every time that we've ever turned to God and said, God, would you show us? He's been faithful and just to lead us into a path where we've learned. I can say this about my wife. She's probably one of the most amazing people about inquiring. I don't know anybody that inquires of God more than she does. And she gets answers. What should I do? What should we do? We also not only have to ask, should we proceed, but how do we proceed? Because let me tell you something, it's not the same every time. Should we pursue? Well, David inquired again of the Lord. He said, you shall go up. Circle behind them this time, though, and come up from in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for the Lord will go out before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Geza. Let me tell you something. God doesn't always answer the same way twice. He's more interested in your obedience than he is in a pattern. Well, God, you did it this time, this way last time. You'll do it again this time. Boy, I'll tell you what, I've done that. I found out that even praying for people. Be careful. You can get into a rut. You just pray the same way. You say the same thing all the time. Even your dinner prayers. Pray the same prayers just to say, it just becomes routine. No, 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 no. Lord, I'm sensitive to you. I'm hearing your voice. What should I do? What should I say? Should I speak to this person? What should I, should I give to that person? Should I help? The, see, there's a lot of questions. And if we're going to move by faith, it really helps to hear from God. Once you hear from God, it's yours. Had a man in the church, he uh, went out to do a business deal and, uh, God gave him a scripture. You're sitting in a, you're sitting in a, uh, ready to do a deal in a, in a big lounge area of a, of a beautiful lodge. And God gave him a, a word about fighting the giants. This, and this giant is his. And, 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 but it, it was a rhema word to him. Can I tell you something? It's his deal. It's his deal. Nobody else can have that deal because God gave him that giant. But he's held on to it. Can I tell you something? Don't let go of the word God gives you because God will make sure you get it. God gives you a word. God gives you giants and he lets you defeat them. And then finally, we also need to inquire about hidden hindrances, the things that hinder our faith. And you know, Jericho, they tried to defeat the children of Israel, went in, they tried to defeat Jericho and uh, they were defeated. Joshua falls on his face and crying out to God, oh God, why, why, why? God, the Lord says, get up. Why do you lie on your face like this? Don't you know that Israel has sinned? And they've also transgressed my covenant which I commanded for they've taken some of the accursed things. They've both stolen and deceived and they have put it amongst their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but they turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Let me tell you something. There are hidden things in our lives 
And it takes a great humility, and we must inquire of God. God, what is it that displeases you in my life? What is it that's hindering your hand from moving on my behalf? What is hindering my faith? What sinful thing am I holding on to that is blocking you? The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, he can't hear you. So we have to constantly go before God, confess our faults. He says, if we're going to have a move of God, your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if we're going to have a move of God, I believe that we're going to have to go before the Lord. We have to be willing to inquire regarding when and how to proceed. And then be willing to ask if there's something hidden that's hindering the move of God in our lives, our marriages, our families, our churches, our businesses, and yes, even our nation. There are things that are hindering the blessing of Zimbabwe. And they must be removed before God can bless us. And you can have all the prayer meetings you want, but until you remove the cursed thing, your prayers are not heard. And finally, courage. I think courage is what it takes for any man or woman of faith. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance this land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may, be, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper. Wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, meditate therein, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, if we're going to have a move of God, we're going to need to be strong going to need to be courageous. And this means we will need to have a resolve to meditate in the word of God, to observe God's word. And if we will do this, we will be prosperous and we will have good success. See, it's not enough just to hear the word of God. The Bible says those that hear the word of God and don't do it are deceived. It's not enough just to hear what God says. It's not enough just to come to church on Sunday. Say, oh, yeah, I go to church. No, there's no brownie points for coming to church. This isn't about brownie points. It's not about doing It's about a relationship with God. Faith is birthed out of meditating in his law day and night and then a willingness to do what he says. When men and women begin to do what God says, they do exploits. They do exploits. Do some exploits. He's looking for somebody he can show himself strong on their behalf. Finally, my last point, and I'll close with this. Is it if we're going to have a move of God, a move by faith, faith requires action. Faith requires action. James says, what does it profit my brethren, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works, can faith save him? 
Later on he says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Let me tell you something. There's a work of faith. There's a showing of faith by what you do. Don't come and tell me. Show me. God wants to see it. Jesus went out from there and departed into the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, David, have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Let me tell you something. If you're demon-possessed, you're severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciple came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost, house of the, uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good that I take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you have desired. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Man, let me tell you something. God loves faith. God loves when somebody will jump up and follow after him and say, God, I'm not letting you go. Bless me. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You're right. But I'll tell you what. Even the dogs get the crumbs. Just give me the crumbs. God says, oh, I'll tell you what. I like that. I like that in a person. There's stories throughout the Bible of men and of women who were desperate for God. Desperate for a move of God. And they activated their faith. I don't want to hear the stories of the Bible. I want to start hearing the stories of the men and women of Zimbabwe who activated their faith, who said, no, 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 no. If God could do it for them, he can do it for me. I believe it's the season for us to activate our faith. I believe it's to take God at his word. I believe it's to lay hold of his promises. I believe now is the time. Today is the day. So today my word of encouragement is that you stir yourselves up. Go back to what it means to live by faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Some of you, your Bible is dusty. Some of you, your prayer life is rusty. And rusty, dusty isn't going to lay a hold of the promises of God. But delving back into his word, hearing what he said, he's looking his word, laying hold of his promises, God will turn the tide. He's looking for a people desperate, restless, inquiring, hungry for him. People who want to move and will move when he moves. Father, I pray for this congregation today. I thank you, Lord, that as we stir up the gifts, as we seek a move of God, Father, that you would cause a righteous hunger to come into the hearts of your people. Father, you would cause a desire for you to come into our hearts. Father, you would help us to lay hold of promise again. That, Father, you would open the eyes of our understanding. That, Father, you would grant us wisdom from above. Oh, Holy Spirit, touch the men and women under the sound of my voice.
Let them seek you for a move of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Now tonight, we have an amazing evening. If you heard about last Sunday night, you'll want to be there this Sunday night. Last Sunday night, we met up under the trees out there in Connection. The lights are on. It was fantastic. Everybody had a cup of coffee or something. It's more of a casual setting. It's a Bible study. I'm going to be talking tonight about something that will bless you. Some of us have allowed the little foxes to destroy our vines. I want to talk to you tonight about the grapes, the young grapes. You know, you don't become a mature Christian overnight. You grow into maturity. I want to talk to you about that path to maturity. Come tonight. You'll be blessed. Amen. Let's all stand. Everybody just grab the hand of the person next to you real quick. We're just going to close in prayer. Wherever you're at, just stand there. Take the person's hand and say this after me. Say, Jesus, I want your word. I want it to be alive in me. I want to see a move of God. And I will move by faith. Now I pray for my brother or my sister on either side of me and I'm asking you, Lord, that you would bless them. That, Father, you would cause their heart to be stirred. That, Father, you'd cause grace to come towards them. That, Father, you would move on their behalf. That, Father, you would grace them with your power, with your might, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, stir us up as a church. Let your anointing fall. Let our fellowship be strong. Let our church be mighty in all that it says and does, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, while you're handing, holding that person's hand, we had a number of guests here today. There's a number of you here that have been here for many weeks, some many months. Some of you have never acted on your faith. You say, well, I believe in Jesus. But let me tell you something. Belief in Jesus is more than just believing in your head. It requires a corresponding action. In fact, the Bible tells us that we must confess. We must declare something. And, and let, let me tell you something, it's not magic. It's not just something we do. It's something we believe. We have to be willing to humble ourselves and say, God, I, I believe that you're the son of God. And I, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. And I'm willing to let my life go to let you live through me. And that's painful. Because it means we repent of the way we're living and we choose to live another way. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.